You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Broken records. The albums you wouldn't shut up about. Broken records, the music our guests can't live without. Like Judy, Barbara, Liza, Bette, Betty, Audra, Bernadette. We broadcast this podcast with hopes that someday we might get Patty LaPone. Broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record, broken record. Welcome to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World, Broadway Podcast Network, and Broadway On Demand. I'm Ben Rimmelauer, thank you, and I'm here with my lovelier-than-ever co-host, Daniel Nolan. Thank you, thank you. Please stay seated. (laughs) Um, It's interesting you said lovelier-than-ever, because whereas you can't see me, uh, and you don't know this, I actually just took a shower and did my hair for the first time. All my uh, hair products were still uh, in my luggage from our uh, recent trip to Fire Island, so I had to dig those out. But, you know, even if it's just for me and the cat, I decided I was going to get up, put on my makeup, sit in this lovely uh, chair that I'm sitting, this couch I'm sitting on to record. And, you know, even if it's just for me and the listeners and you, gotta gotta do it. Well, you're worth it, baby. Thank you. You know who else is worth it? Who? Is is the queen of uh, the streams right now, Miss Patricia Lupone, the, yes. uh, the star of our conversation today. And the one who inspired us to get back on these mics and, uh, you know, make another ep. Yeah, I mean, we just kept thinking, like, you know, what what would be the next corn stream? And the longer we waited, the more it seemed like it had to be something, you know, special. And then yes. the most special thing in the world happened. And, you know, it's funny. I um, I think I've talked about it a little bit on our uh, weekly live stream video chat, which I hope everyone is watching. It's called Next Year, Some Year, and it's Tuesdays at noon Eastern time on the mm-hmm. Broadway, Broadway World Facebook page and Broadway Podcast Network's YouTube channel. Yes. But, um, on Next Year, Some Year, I've often talked, and I think we've commiserated together, about how we're just kind of worn out of like live stream theater. I was such a, a addict at the beginning. I was watching yes, yes. almost every episode of Seth Rudetsky's uh, stars in the house uh, and gobbling that all up and, you know, play readings and all that stuff. And I've just gotten to the point where I'm just like, not up for any of it. Yes, and, same. You know, uh, and I was at my friend, uh, friend of the pod, Adam Feldman's the other day mm-hmm. and he had to watch, um, some uh, live stream theater thing because he's, you know, the theater and cabaret editor for Time Out New York. And I was just like, no, I am not doing that. I would rather sit in the other room in silence by myself than watch, you know, and, and I wound up watching a little bit with him and, you know, no shade. Uh, I I won't say what it was, but it's just, it's, (sighs) it's not where I am right now, you know? And then later I was trying to convince Adam to watch this TV show that I'm obsessed with, Miranda, Miranda Hart's BBC sitcom from 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I'm just loving that show. And I was telling him about it. And he was like, yeah, I just, I don't know if I'm in the mood right now. And I was like, are you kidding me? When I walked in, you were watching that shit. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, and here I'm giving him gold, but I say all this to say, um, of course, you know, Patty's a special category anyway, but I was starting to have doubts about it as the time approached. I was like, it's going to be Patty singing just with piano and Mm -hmm. it's no audience, no audience. It's this show. Yeah. Obviously Patty with an audience anytime is a whole special thing, but you know, for Patty singing in a basement, it's her show. Don't monkey with Broadway, which I loved when I saw it at symphony space in New York four or five years ago. 
I was absolutely blown away. But um, I don't know if this is a safe space, just you, me, and our, you know, millions of listeners, but... I haven't been like that in love with the album. I don't know why it hasn't like done it for me so much, you know? Um, and yeah. I've, I've come to a few um, realizations uh, watching the live stream yesterday that helped me understand why the album didn't do it for me. But, and I don't dislike the album, but it just hasn't like thrilled me the way some of her other recordings have. So mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, in a sense, what is this video live stream going to be other than the album, you know, with, faces um Mm -hmm. and uh so i was kind of like i'm scared you know and also when we had joe thalkin on uh next year some year uh, a couple weeks ago to talk about the upcoming show with patty i was asking him about some of my favorite numbers from the show like well i think you had asked about um you got trouble uh uh in river city from the music oh yes and I asked about um, Sit Down, You're Rocking the Boat, which had been my request that she took, and Sleepy Man and Blow Gabriel Blow. And he said that none of those would be in it because they all rely on her use of a chorus, which is one of the cool mm. things of, cool things mm-hmm. about the show Don't Monkey with Broadway is that whenever she's on the road doing it, she sings with local school choruses. It's part of her personal mission to support educational theater and um and it's, and it's actually very special on the album because she recorded it live in her hometown northport long island with her high school northport uh high school's current choir northport high Shout out. go <laughs> tigers um, why do i know that but um anyway of course you know that of course i know that but um but anyway so uh I all that to say it wasn't even going to have some of my favorite numbers. So I was kind of like my expectations were not that high. But I got to say, uh, first of all, she walked on uh, and sings Don't Monkey with Broadway. And it was a great song for her to sing uh, for the opening of what is, in fact, her first concert for television. Because um, the only, obviously, you know, my bread and butter, as you know well, as I'm sure our listeners know, I live watching bootleg videos of Patty singing all mm-hmm. the time, you know, every day. We could talk about the various merits of Patty singing live in Nantucket and Patty singing live at Carnegie Hall. Coulda, woulda, shoulda, 1999, the night that my whole life changed. But, um, you know, those are, those are bootlegs or they're archival single camera from the back of the house thingies, you know. And the only time she's actually, the only single only time she ever had a commercially produced solo concert on video was an evening with Patti Lapone, which was shown on PBS in 1997. Oh, um, yes. I, I've seen the VHS at your house. Yes. But you know what? That VHS was only available for PBS sponsors at that time, it was never sold commercially. It was never released on DVD. It has never been streaming. And um, she did a concert uh, as part of a Seth Rudetsky series in Provincetown in 2012, which is a oh, wonderful yes. concert. The uh, one where she throws shade at Bernadette. Bernadette and Betty. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, actually, I mean, of all the shady, shitty things Patty said about people, including uh, maybe those ladies or maybe not, I won't say. But um, in that concert, it's just sort of general shade. It's not really that personal. Um, but uh, but that concert, you know, was only available for supporters of Seth Seth.TV. And it was never... <laughs> um, Anyway, oh, the other thing is that both that concert and the PBS thing and all of them were concerts where Patty was singing for a live audience and they happened, right. they happened to be recorded, whether they were recorded professionally to be sold or not. She wasn't playing to the camera. And right, this, right. this, the camera was all she had, you know? Yeah. So I mean, it, that was very, that was something that I was so taken aback by after the first number. I was like, where's the, wait. And I feel like she was taken aback by it too. And she kind of had to remind herself like, what the well, format was she acknowledged and, it and when yes. she when she after that first number said ah the sound of no applause and then started talking right to the camera yeah it suddenly got i mean the opening number was great but it got to a whole new level it suddenly became special 
It became, I was sitting there rolling balls on fucking CBD out of my mind, dying. I mean, I was in the comment stream before the show started, chatting with the fans, trying to do grassroots marketing for the podcast. But Oh, great, great, great. But <laughs> as, it, as it got closer to showtime, the comment stream got faster and faster, and I couldn't read everything that was happening, and I was losing my mind. I mean, at first it was so slow, I could do that. And I could post stuff on Twitter and I could listen to the 538 Politics podcast all at oh the same God. time. Oh, God. But Too now much. it was like Lucy in the chocolate factory, you yeah. know, with the conveyor belt just going too fast. I was losing my mind. So I was so amped up. And all of a sudden, the universe, just like when you go to the eye doctor, you know, womp, it came into clear focus. Patty was talking right to me, you know. Yeah. And it suddenly just became so real and so intimate. And it was actually very vulnerable because all my fear about was this going to be everything that I needed it to be? All my fear of was Patty going to be, you know, in these arbitrary, maybe Ben only ways or not, but thrilling like she was at Symphony Space or somewhat disappointing like the album of the show was, you know, all my, and my, when horror, to be honest, when Patty walked on stage, in this in that Riddler fuck, shirt. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate the gesture because in a way those question marks were Patty herself saying, I don't know what this is going to be. They were also maybe an acknowledgement of the big election coming up, you know, maybe yeah. there was some, maybe it was a cheesy gesture towards the fact that she was taking questions. So they were question marks. Yeah, That's what but, I thought. But net net was that she was wearing a button down shirt and stretch pants. She looked like Sharon McKnight, you know. It was like <laughs> this was I mean, like she walked around and I was like, oh, oh Patty. I mean, this was a gay cabaret on a gay cruise and not Patty Lapone in the main room. This was like the third tier room for the mainstays of, you know, it was very small time. And I thought, okay, okay, I get it. She's keeping it small. She's keeping it casual. This is intimate. This is just her singing to us in our living rooms, you know? And when she started talking, I felt like, yeah, that is what this is. And this is working for me, you know? Mm-hmm. And and it really continued to work. When she went into You Got A Lot Of Living To Do, uh, which is not my favorite song that she does on the album, but here... You know, she does it really small. I mean, it's a lot of it is like she's almost, uh, it's almost like a whisper. You know, it's not in her belt. She's not mixing. I don't know what to call it. It's like song stylist, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember her singing this song on the album, and I never really thought about it much before. But this song, I, I when she sang it this time, I was like, wow, I really love this song. And... Uh, and I loved kind of the the work she did walking around the stage. You know, she pulls the mic out of the stand and then it starts, uh, cu- you know, different cameras start cutting in and out. And so it really started feeling like, um, you know, like an actually produced evening. Yeah, totally. I was actually, I have to say, I'm glad you brought that up because I was pretty pleased uh, with the camera work. Like, I mean, I... I guess I had hoped, honestly, I hadn't even thought about it. I had hoped that it would be more than a single camera. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. But not only was it more than a single camera, it was clearly the people that were um, the the camera director had clearly at least somewhat familiarized themselves with her set list and what she was going to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Because I thought, um, uh, uh, well, not not to jump ahead, but I said that it was the first multi-camera Meadowlark. Um, Mm. And that really felt like a big deal to me, you know, because it wasn't a bootleg. It really meant Mm -hmm. something, you know, to be able to cut to those angles and the full stage and then zoom in and all that. You know, it it makes a difference because Meadowlark uh, is a full journey, you know. So then, just sort of cutting through the next couple of numbers because we don't have that much time and we want to get to everything. Um, You know, I do have to say, though, uh, one thing when she did Happy Talk, there was something she said. um, It was like. I was Nelly, but there was a lot of other songs I wanted. There's a lot of other songs and I wanted them too or something. Yeah. Which I thought that was so funny because that's like, um, 
that's like such a patty way of saying the thing that Bernadette says, which is like, I didn't sing this song in the show. Patty's version is like envious. You know, it's like there's a lot of, a lot of other songs and I wanted them too. Totally. So I just thought that was a funny, like a patty version of the exact same thing Bernadette does when she introduces um, No One Is Alone. Totally, totally. Um, I loved Happy Talk. I was, like, weirdly self-conscious for her that, like, Happy Talk and Bally High especially were somehow going to be, like, you know, culturally insensitive at this moment. Um, yeah. But uh, but I actually re-watched it this morning and was able to just enjoy it more. And I will say um, that I got a message during the show from, I mean, speaking of the culture that, you know, it might be insensitive to. I mean, you know, uh, Asian-American Broadway star Anne Harada, who had, mm. to me- had to message me. To, this is so name-droppy, but I have to say, Anne Harada had to message me to tell me that she was watching it and she started crying Don't uh, and don't cry for me. And Aww. so I was like, well, if Anne Harada is happy, it must be okay. And, um, and uh, actually I cried during Don't Cry For Me Too, which honestly, in all my literally decades of watching Patty sing that song thousands of times, including all the video, I never, it's never made me cry before. And it really mm. did. Um, but anyway. A lot of people in the comments too cried during that song. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty moving. I mean, and that's another thing I think that has to do with the intimacy, you know? Um, yeah. But uh, anyway, so I, I like that more than I had yesterday when I rewatch it today. And also, same with Big Spender. Uh, we're watching it yesterday. I had kind of been like, I, you know, to me, that song is just such a, like, A-side, like, number one, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a pop, it's become a pop song in addition to being a, a show tune. And... Um, I, I think I was like, I don't know. I, I got a little lost in it last night when I rewatched it today. I think I got the joke of her playing the like bored. Yeah. That was my question is why is she so, why is it so deadpan? I mean, she always does it that way. Why? Yeah. I never quite got the reason she does it kind of, you know, not animated at all. I think she, she's playing the fact that she's like, She's she's the hooker that's been like, you know, the, doing these like, you know, these taxi dances, you know, the, mm-hmm. these these lap dances or whatever, you know, whatever it is, like 40 bucks for 10 minutes. She's been working all night. It's 5 a.m. She's ready to like, you know, take off her like, you know, kitten heels and like get on that like M13 back to Queens. <laughs> Put on that bowling <laughs> shirt. <laughs> Literally, you know. Um, and uh, so, I, you know, I, I think like I got the joke a little better today. Um, and then, uh, where the concert really started to fly for me was the next song, which, um, she's been singing easy to be hard from hair since coulda, woulda, shoulda in 1999. Mm -hmm. And I've always found it absolutely thrilling. And I love this song for her so much. And I, I think that maybe on the album of don't monkey with Broadway, I hadn't been as into the vocal as I had been all Mm -hmm. these years. And I got worried that maybe like, Oh, maybe now that she's older, she can't quite give it the same, everything that she used to, because Mm -hmm. it really, she, the way she does it, it lives in that very tricky mixy part of her voice. Um, mm-hmm. and, and not mixing like just to cover a little passaggio in between the belt and the head voice, but actually mixing on purpose stylistically kind of for so much of it. And then goes into like a very high sort of dangerous belt for the end. And, <laughs> dangerous. And I felt like she, well, it really is. Cause when she gets to the, the end of this arrangement, you know, it's like, um, uh, easy to be hard, easy to be cold. And then for the highest note of the song, easy to be hard, you know, but it's like, she's really easy to say. Yeah. No. And, then, and then it's beautiful and mixy again, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I love that so much, but you only enjoy that final mixy, beautiful end note. If it has lived at its fullest thrilling you know, crazy vibrato for that penultimate high note. And here I thought like she really, truly, truly nailed it. And, and so thrillingly. And then what shocked me that I've never seen her do before <laughs> was when it was over, she went straight into let the sunshine in. And it I know. felt. I was like, are we at Marie's crisis? It, never have I experienced that except for at Marie's. 
And it was so, it had all the joy and everybody sing along. In fact, she did say, everybody of a Marie's Crisis yeah. sing along. But it also <laughs> felt very flower child, hippie. Yeah. It felt it felt very revolution. It she felt threw up very, a peace sign. It felt very anti-Trump, but in a joyful, we're going to fucking do this kids way. You know, it felt summer of love. It felt triumphant. I felt that her voice sounded better than... It had the whole night in some ways better than it had in years. You know, it's always so exciting for me to hear Patty sing a song I've never heard her sing before and to Mm -hmm. feel like, wow, this is immediately becoming one of my favorite ways I've ever heard her sing, you know? Yeah. And Well, in Hair, it rides the line between the the rock musical and then show tune, which is what, you know, she grew up kind of being interested in. Totally. And it's really her sweet spot because it's the rock musical that she was in love with when Mm -hmm. she would, you know, Patty conceivably could have been in hair at the time, you know? Oh yeah. She could have been Sheila. Absolutely. And, you know, in fact, Elaine Page was in it, you know, I mean, just, uh, uh, there you go. Uh, so, um, but anyway, so I was just really, I just felt she was really, really, um, it was a peak moment for me yeah. watching it and and again today and I it, it was the first time I really felt like oh wow like this is a concert I'm going to be watching for years you know yeah um, yeah and I know that they said it's not going to be available anymore uh and as a matter of I fact, I bet they'll make it available somehow. Well, I don't know if they're going to, but someone's going to. This is going <laughs> to be Shut up, Lupo and Lupone dolls. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we'll have access. Um, so anyway, I was just really, really blown away. Um, and then she takes her first question of the night, and I thought it was really fun the way she interacted with those questions. Um, yeah, I love it when she's like, uh, "I'm really into the questions." Yeah. And uh, and I, I didn't mind the fact that they were like pre-selected in a way oh, to yeah. be lead-ins to the songs. I loved those questions as lead-ins. I thought they made for nice yeah. transitions. Yeah. Um, and, what, and that's almost what's the biggest bomb you've been in? Yeah. To which she said, "Lucky for you, I have a selection." I thought I thought the way she, that was a real fun uh, intro, and and then I thought it was a truly thrilling performance of Metal Arc. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, this was for me. This is when I was. I mean, I was loving it, but then this was when it really went to the next level. Was when she entered this next section of the show, starting totally. with Metal Arc, getting into all the show tunes. Totally. I had a revelation watching her sing Metal Arc too. That which is that um, part of I think what makes Patty. Uh, a difference between Patty and many singers uh, and metal arc really exemplifies it is that a lot of singers have to start mixing when they get to the big high notes in the climax is where it gets to be a little too much for them to be belting. Mm-hmm. Whereas Patty mixes the low notes in the beginning to warm up so that she can really belt when she gets to the big high oh, notes, yeah, honey. you know, uh, and it, well, I just, it's so funny to hear the notes in the beginning that are not that high where Patty's like full on head voice even, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was last night watching Patty do all these big belty numbers, Meadowlark, some people, I was like, this is where her voice just really shines because it's like, she, you know, the way she kind of does the little Patty yodeling in the, in the slower, softer parts of songs it almost makes it seem like, you know, the, it almost makes it seem like, oh, she's flipping to her head voice because she doesn't want to sing it full voice. So like maybe, okay, maybe she can't sing that. Totally. But then whenever she lets it loose in like the really high belty parts, you're like, oh no, she can totally do it. It's just like a different, I don't know. It's like a different animal, you know, it's like a, it's like a whole different realm almost because that seems easier than the lower parts for her. Totally. Totally. 100%. Um, so, I mean, in a way it's like, you know, I think Patty is at her best as an actress and as a storyteller. Um, Mm -hmm. well, at least a singing actress and singing storyteller Mm -hmm. when, when her voice is really flying, you know, because when, when, because I think so much of Patty's like joy and freedom on stage 
her sense of abandon comes, uh, I don't know whether it's ego or what, but she needs to, you clearly, Patty, you know, she's like that high school girl starring in a musical. It's like mm-hmm. you want, she needs to feel that she's like fucking nailing it, you know? And yes. when, when she is, that's when I feel like the most soul comes through, you know? Yeah, that's and, so true. And so, you know, Meadowlark is, is when she, you know, she really gets the chance to just give that all of it, you know? Yeah. Um, and another another realization I had, not about Patty, but just about the song, um, you know, we talked with uh, Stephen Schwartz, the composer of Meadowlark and the Baker's yeah. Wife on our podcast. Go back and listen if you haven't. Um, and he's, you know, so influenced by Joni Mitchell and Judy Collins. And I really, really, for the first time, uh, realized the Joni Mitchell influence on this song in particular because the way it's structured is very, you know, there's a lot of verses. There's a lot. It's very storytelly. And, and you know, Joni, she has tons of songs about birds. You know, there's uh, Sweet Bird, Black Crow. And and they're all very verse, ver- verse, chorus, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Mm. And um, I don't know. This I, I, Listening to Metal Arc, I was like, this sounds like it belongs. It's like a show tune version of, like, a song that would be on, like, Joni Mitchell's Hegira or something. Um, I'm going to listen to Hajira when we get off the interview, the interview, yes, the, the podcast, and uh, Stephen Schwartz would be so pleased. Um, <laughs> so I just, uh, moving on uh, to the next section, I just have to say that um, I want to give Patty a line reading because... Okay, yes, yes, please. <laughs> well, she does, she she did this thing about, um, and the Kennedy, we were the least attended show in Kennedy Center history. In a 2,500-seat theater, we had 25 people, which... Um, uh, my friend, uh, a different friend, Adam, Adam Turner, messaged me to say she's been doing that same pattern. Uh, that's 25 years old. And I said, yes, but she stopped doing it 25 years ago. She just recently brought it back in Don't Monkey with Broadway. But mm-hmm. the problem the problem we're running into here is that I think Patty's muscle memory remembers how that used to go in that banter, where it would go, uh, we at least attended show in Kennedy Center history in uh, we had 25 people in a 2,500 yes. seat house. And these people didn't have the good sense to get in one row. We couldn't find them. So it was hilarious, but she no longer has that part. We couldn't find them. Now it just moves on. So when she says, and these people didn't have the sense to get in one row, it's like a hanging chad. She, we need, she needs to say that in a different way so that it buttons that story. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I felt like it was very odd last night. Anyway, uh, maybe it's just odd in my ear because I'm expecting the next line. It, it, mm-hmm. I'm, willing, I'm willing to own that. Honestly, any qualms I had about Patty's performance, I realized might just be my own overly attached uh, emotionality with her. Um, but so then she introduces the next plot, which is working. And another case of my overly attached emotionality and codependent insecurities. I realized that I love her singing this, by the way, it's another one that she does. That was my request. Um, but, uh, I realized as it started last night that I was like immediately on hyper drive as I always am with her of like, how does she sound? How does she sound? And she did a couple of tiny little riffs. I'd never heard her do in this song before. And I wasn't sure whether I liked them or not, but I immediately had this thought, Oh my God, Daniel must really know this song. Daniel probably really likes this song. It's by James Taylor. So it's only a stone's throw away from Joni Mitchell and that whole world. Not to mention the fact that it's on one of Daniel's favorite Bette Midler albums, Thighs and Whispers. Clearly this is a song that Daniel, uh, at least knows and likes, if not probably knows and really loves. And all I could think was like, oh my God, I hope she's not letting Daniel down. I hope she's not (laughs) letting Daniel down. And it wasn't until I rewatched it today that I was like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I really like it. I really like it. I really like it. You know, it's so funny you say that. I do like this song, but on Thighs and Whispers, it's the one I always skip over because it seems just like in such a different world than the rest of the album. Yeah. So it's like I'm never in the mood. When I'm listening to Thighs and Whispers, I want like Night in Black Leather or um, Hang you know, on Married there, Men. Yeah, I want like like disco summer fun. I don't I, I if I'm if I'm looking for like other bet my bet fall playlist. Yeah, that's where Millworker is with sure. like, you know. 
drinking again, Skylark, etc. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and I realized I actually never, even though it was my request to Patty, I never listened to her recording because the Don't Monkey with Broadway CD, when she does it, it's she does the monologue from working that in the show comes in the middle of the song. Mm-hmm. So it's a really long track with a lot of talking. So like, I'm not going to put it on like some cocktail playlist of like, you know, belters and broads or yeah. whatever, you know, yeah. so I really didn't get to know Patty's version too well. And I'm so happy that she did it without the monologue last night. Cause I know they were crunched for time. Um, but anyway, I really did love it. And I'm glad you did too. And what she did differently last night, that's very Patty. And that I really liked in putting her own spin on it was that she on the album of Don't Monkey with Broadway, just like everybody else that's ever sung the song ends the song with the high note. Um, for the rest of the morning, for the rest of the afternoon, gone, and the rest of my life. But yesterday, Patty Sal, she went, and the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> and I. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Um, so go, Patty. I noticed also that's another thing Patty loves to do is she loves to scoop. You know, she loves to, uh, like, even on, like, regular notes. Like, I'm trying to think of an example. But, I mean, there's so many. I but know. She, she doesn't like just to go from one note to the next easily. She no. likes to really make an ordeal of it. <laughs> uh, she, she claims she doesn't know she's doing it. And that, like, when Sondheim, like, gave her notes about it, she was, like, dumbstruck that it was happening. But, like, she There's a small hotel. I mean, these two songs, I could write a book and there's a small hotel. I don't know, like, how out of my mind I was last night, but watching it live, I was like, she's hitting bum notes. I was like, I mean, go down on it. And then when I rewatched it today, I was like, no, it's good. It's nice. It's different. It's unusual. It's unusual. Uh, (laughs) I I mean, there were a few times throughout the night. No Tino Shade. We all do it. But there were a few times I was like, flat, flat. Well, it's live and no audience. So the energy's weird. And she's got to play mm-hmm. smaller for the camera. You know, I get it. Um, After those songs, I love it. She just goes, aren't those pretty? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then straight into Can't Say No. Say, I mean, and I got to say, I've always loved her doing Can't Say No. I loved it when I saw it. I love it on the album. But I mean, like- the the yodel finally really works it really works and like i just kind of felt like i mean is this like the definitive can't say no um my yeah, own, i like no one has ever been this belty in it like this is like i feel like i need to like make my mom watch this because it's like my mom was the Ado annie understudy in the um camp jubilee day camp production in 19 uh-oh. <laughs> 1958 or whatever 1962 um but uh, so uh, it's a very special song to my family. Um, but I, um, my one beef about it was, why does she say, "What are you gonna do"? Yeah, yeah, for no reason. It's supposed yeah. to be, "What you gonna do?" What you gonna do? Yeah, she's actually over enunciating for once. Well, with Patty, it's always over or under. And I actually went. I was like, "Oh, she's." I was like, "Maybe I just know the movie, and I haven't listened to Celeste Holm on the original Broadway version enough." So I listened to that. I listened to the movie. I listened to Christine Ebersole. I listened to the revival. And no, it's what you're going to do. Everybody sings what you're going to do. She just got yeah. it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, um, yeah, Sutton Foster saying, stick around for the jokes. No, it's not like that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I have the exact same thought process every time I sing Patty, every time I see Patty sing If. Um, and uh, I mean, the okay. net- <laughs> Go- sorry, so many thoughts. Random prop use for the first time ever <laughs> on stage, the gun. I was like, what? <laughs> so bizarre. Um, <laughs> but I, I do. Uh, my final thought always is that this is a great performance and it's one of the great performances yes. of this yes. song. Yes. Um, it's a great build for her. I mean, the thing about this song is that I always start out thinking, oh my God, I love her singing this. I'm so happy she's singing this. Then I think, oh, actually, I still really like Sally Mays' version best of all. Then I think, oh God, Patty's doing this so fast. I don't know if I like it so fast. This reminds me so much of Liza and I hate Liza's. Then I think, why do I hate Liza's? Dan Fortune likes Liza's. Then I go back to Liza's and I go, oh, 
I don't hate Liza's. Maybe I don't hate Patty's. Then I go back to Patty's and I go, oh, I know. I really love this. And then I go, oh, wait. Maybe is Elaine Stritch really the best? And then I go, what about Kristen Chenoweth? No, I still like Sally Mae's the best. And then I go, yeah, but Patty's really great. <sighs> and you know how I was laughing their ass off if they were listening to me go through that? Whom? <laughs> Betty Buckley. Betty Buckle, I'm sure if she's not listening, she has someone listening on her behalf. Betty is like, exactly, Rimmelauer. You don't need to compare them. They can all be good in their own different ways. So true. I mean, I do love Kristen's. Of course, I love Stritch. But I have to say, this was one of my favorite moments of the night with Patty. Because I just felt it really displayed her, you know, Carol Hill abilities (laughs) as the music person. I mean, she's just so good at, like you know, the, the fast talking, you know, she's and, good at the fast talking. She's good at the murderous rage and, yeah. and she's really good at the, like, you know, uh, 1940s siren of like, goodbye, Joel. you know, I mean like, that's mm-hmm. like, you want Patty like belting her heart out in a nightclub in the old days, you know? Yeah. Well, and speaking of Liza speed fast, the next number, some people, which of course my favorite, our favorite is, is the crazy Liza. But this almost gave Liza a run for her money tempo-wise because this was real sped up, which, of course, I loved. But, uh, I mean, some people, she started singing it and the chat went crazy. I mean, it was like that. It was just like comment, 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 comment. It just started going so, so fast I couldn't keep up. Um, And, of course, this this was, I wrote down, like, uh, these old school belt songs are just perfection when she does them. I mean, her voice, it's made for that. You it's know? made for that. I mean, I, I think this is Patty's best version of some people. Oh, um, 100%. I was uh, floored. She does it better. I mean, like on the Broadway cast album of Gypsy, she does this weird thing where she's like, um, anybody that stays home is dead. If I die, it won't be from sitting. It'll be yeah, from yeah, sitting. It, it'll be from fighting to get up and get out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and here she was much more natural. And also, like in Gypsy on Broadway, they must have given her some weird note, or she was doing like a weird vocal thing. But every single time I saw her do Gypsy live on Broadway, she would be like, "But I." <laughs> And here she really hit the like, but and just the way you wanted it. Yeah, you know? that's how she needs to do it. I um, and after the also after all these old school belt songs, her energy is just so buoyant and she's just so like in her basement, Patty. You know, she's just so excited and and giddy and you know. I don't know. There's something about the energy of these songs that also brings out the best in her person personality, you know, totally. and her and her totally. giving nature yes. as a person. Yes, exactly. And a funny comparison to Bernadette I thought of, which is um when Bernadette sings some people in a concert, it is mm-hmm. by far the number one brassiest moment in the show. Mm-hmm. When Patty sings some people in concert, it's like not even in the top five brassies. Right, right. Barely scratches the surface. (laughs) Barely scratches. Uh, It's like a novelty number amidst all the really brassy stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so the next question, uh, do you ever get tired of Don't Cry For Me? You know, all I was thinking of during this question was uh, the Andrea... McCardle story yes. of a signature song. <laughs> yes. And I thought Carol Channing is just looking down with bated breath right now, waiting for Patty to say, no, she doesn't get tired of it. And Patty eventually got there, but she did it in the roundabout way. Like, oh. of course, but of course I'm only trying to make you happy, Michael. So the answer is no, I don't get tired of seeing it. No, that's not what she said. What she said was, but I'm here to make you happy, Mike, Mike, Mike. And she was so casual and little sex joke, casual, casual. She goes, uh, but, but tonight I'm, tr- I'm here to make you happy, Mike. So I don't, all of a sudden in that, she started crying in the middle of that sentence. She was like, Oh, did she? she was like, I didn't even realize. Oh yeah. She's like sex joke, sex joke, but I'm here to make you happy, Mike. So I don't. It was the most insane left turn and she pulled it off with flying colors and literally went into a glorious don't cry for me. That was one of my favorite ever and truly made me cry. Mm, even after she said, don't cry. She could tell me not to cry, but I didn't listen. 
Um, I mean, again, the chat went off during this number. Everyone said they were crying. I mean, shout out to James Dean, whoever that was, saying in this, also during this song, I think he was like, well, I finished my bottle of wine. And I appreciated throughout the whole concert, he was updating everyone of where he was in his wine consumption. It was the right moment for that. And I have nothing but props. I was truly blown away. And I have to say, though, that I want to just throw a little shade at Patty that she deserves good because for all her carrying on about how she doesn't she does her evita arms in a perfect v not elaine page mm-hmm. her arms are getting lower and lower and more elaine Honey. page like every year this Honey. is 100 not 100 percent, but like if elaine page's arms are like a u <laughs> and patty's uh-huh. arms are a v let's let's say that patty's v is a 10 on the scale and Elaine Page's arms, you are a zero on the scale. This was like at a 1.2. <laughs> like, well, listeners, if you came to hear a ranking of <laughs> Elaine Page and Patty Lapone's arms, you've come to the right place. Now, I just have to say, I've heard Patty sing something's coming several times over the years and I always liked it. And, uh, I actually really like it on the Don't Monkey with Broadway album, although I don't love the transition into the mix voice on the last note on the album. So I wasn't particularly excited. Oh, I also just want to have one going backwards that I thought the lighting and camera work and Don't Cry For Me was so gorgeous Mm. and beautiful. Yes, beautiful. I agree. That was where I really was just like, oh my God, like she could send this out. Like to this is like cinematography, you know. Well, um, I think the camera work helped because it wasn't obviously there was no audience, and singing this song to no audience seems so strange. But uh, with the cam, the camera work made it seem more expansive and more totally than it was, you know. Totally. Um, but uh, anyway, but I just thought. Um, Something's coming, kind of like what I said about, um, no, I take that back. It Remember when we, another episode of the pod people should go back and listen to is our Scott Whitman interview, um, mm-hmm. who, who, by the way, directed uh, Don't Monkey with Broadway, conceived and directed. Um, and he's conceived and directed all of Patty's concerts since uh, her first album, Patty Lapone Live at the Westwood Playhouse in 1993. Um but Scott said Scott compared Patty to Frank Sinatra, um, mm. and I felt that that was really apt when Patty sang "Something's Coming." The way that she acted that song um, and told the story of that song, I felt was truly masterful. I I really. You know, it's like, I have to say, I agree with you so much about the old school brassy stuff, but it's mm-hmm. not just old school brassy. It's old school musical theater. And and it's as great as she is in the Rodgers and Hammerstein, in a way, Leonard Bernstein is really the ideal for her because it's, you really see that Patty grew up on West Side Story. That's a show she truly loved, you know? Mm-hmm. and. And when she sings Something's Coming, I just felt last night like she owned it, you know? I felt that she owned Something's Coming, and and I will we'll get to it, because I feel that way about the next two songs from West Side Story, all, next three songs from West Side Story. But um, but it started with Something's Coming. I, I felt, you know, I, I love this song so much, and I love so many versions. I love all the men that sang it on all the cast recordings and the movie soundtrack of West Side Story. I love Barbra Streisand's recording from... Uh, the Broadway album. I yes. love I love Betty Buckley singing it at the Sondheim um, benefits in the early two thousands, and I think it's one on one of her albums too. And uh, you know, you know who Patty reminded me of when she sang it last night was Marilyn May. Ooh, well now I really want to go back and watch because this is one of the songs I don't remember very well from last night. I I really felt like she she. I, and I think it partly had to do with coming on the heels of how triumphant and exquisite she had been in Don't Cry For Me. And it goes back to that thing a little bit of, I feel like when Patty feels she's doing well, she does her best. Now, mm-hmm. and just to own that and qualify it so it's not a total read of Patty because it's just my opinion, maybe it's that when I feel Patty feels she's doing well, that's when I feel she feels <laughs> she does her best. I don't know. It's getting a little psychological, uh, a little bit into a miasma of insanity. But but anyway, but I, I just, for me, watching her do something's coming, 
it was like that sense of Marilyn May when it's like she knows who she's singing to. She knows yeah. who, she knows what she's singing about. And mm-hmm. I, you know, and I also have to say that the other thing that I kept tripping on watching it, uh, ju- and just to give full respect, since I did say the outfit was a little Sharon McKnight for me, whom I love, but still not the look I really want for Lupone. But, um, but it also felt sometimes a little Judy Garland for me. And that's another great rendition of Something's Coming. So not for nothing. Oh, yeah. It was a little bit like watching Judy in the 60s, like on the Judy Garland show specifically in a studio audience singing to the camera, you know. And Oh, yeah, that's that's interesting. And it's a really nice space for me to see Patty in because I don't think it's a space she was always comfortable in. The Patty, mm-hmm. the Patty that I grew up on, who is a Broadway musical star who could do sort of concert singing, but I didn't know if she was, you know, the intimacy of this, I really feel like she had really settled into it. And in Something's Coming, I really thought it was masterful. Um, so then she does uh, A Boy Like That and Somewhere, correct? Well, first it's A Boy Like That slash I Have a Love. And she does yes, the, yes, both yes, the yes. Anita and Maria parts. And it's hilarious. And it is musically impressive and comedically impressive and vocally thrilling. I mean, you just kind of have to give Patty full props. And it's a, it's a, it's such a great bit that she does. And mm-hmm. it's, it's a joke that does not get old and that truly pays off. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, straight through to her not singing the high F at the end of I Have a Love, which uh, she earns the right not to do, although I do believe she has it. Um, but then what really floored me last night and floored me again today is I got to say her version of Somewhere, which I know I liked when she sang it live in Don't Monkey With Broadway and I don't mind it on the album even though I hadn't been that into the album before but last night and I know that it was special last night because she was crying after it and it it clearly Mm -hmm. it clearly for her is about this moment in history that we are living and for me that soul came through and it came through vocally and musically and I thought it honestly for me it was the definitive version of Somewhere Mmm. I love that. I really, I was so moved and so thrilled. And um, I really felt it was so clear Patty was singing to us about 2020, about COVID-19, about kids in cages, about the great division in this country, about the racism, about the income inequality, about Mm. the struggles that we face now and that we're going to be facing in the years to come. And it was such a message of hope and strength and uh, and it, and, and it was about Broadway being shut down as a function of that, you know, and, and I just have never felt more in awe of Patty as an artist when she was crying after this thrilling definitive performance of somewhere. And she was so choked up as she introduced the next section, which was the Sondheim songs. And I really feel that it was informative about who Patty is as an artist, as a performer, because when she was she was choked up as she was introducing the next section of the Sondheim songs. And uh, I saw her gesture to Joe at the piano to start because you could tell that he would be, as anyone accompanying her would, not sure if maybe she needed a moment, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe she didn't want to jump right into singing another hundred people. But it was so clear that Patty's perspective on her work as an artist was to that's how Patty was going to work through her feelings. Patty was going to bring herself to another hundred people, which is not a song about that pain and that struggle and those obstacles that we face as a society. And by throwing herself into that moment, she was going to climb out of the moment that came before. And indeed that's what she did. And it's Mm -hmm. part of Patty's, I think natural gift as an actor and a storyteller is that, she knows she might be in this emotionally labile place. She can throw herself into the next one and trust that she'll be there. She's not somebody that's going to still have the baggage of that sad song dragging her down, you know, and she didn't, she was able to jump right into it, but it's like she had to reassure Joe that she could do that. So he knew to just follow her into it, you know? And Mm -hmm. it was, I found that really interesting. Um, 
And uh, I really liked her singing Another 100 People, which I always really like her singing. It was very scoopy. And I was very worried about what Steve would say if he watched it. Yeah, very scoopy. Um, How, let me just say, and then I'll let you talk about it. But I, I will say it's all worth it for me too, though, because Patty's weird ass pattiness, the idiosyncrasies, the way she throws her body into these notes she hits, you know, in the second chorus, when she hits that, uh, crude remarks and just like literally like throws out, not just her face to hit the note, but her arms and her hips. And mm, uh, it's so thrilling. It's like she's just living the music in her whole body, you know. And to me, that is what the song wants most of all. So I forgive her the scooping. I enjoy the scooping. And I hope that Steve would. What do you think? I, I do you think he watched? Mm-mm. No. no. No way in hell. No way in hell. Um, he's too busy. <laughs> he's too busy watching those Randy Rainbow videos. By the way, I'm really bummed. Maybe some of our, <laughs> thank you. Maybe some of our listeners will let us know. But my new goal is to um, troll Sondheim's Instagram page. Um, whenever he posts something, I'm going to comment in the most banal way, just from like the, my inner Valley girl. So like when he posted the leaves changing in Connecticut and wrote red, 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 green, or whatever he wrote, some Sunday in the park quote, I wrote, OMG totes my goats. And I was really hoping that more people <laughs> would bring it up or like comment on it. And nobody has. So if you're out well, there, I'm glad he's posting. Cause for the longest time I hadn't followed him yet because he never posted anything. I was like, I don't want to waste that follow. Totally. But if now he's giving the content, maybe I will have to give him a follow. Yes. Um, okay, so then anyone can wh- yodel. I mean, whistle. Anyone can, or not while I'm around. Oh, wait, wait, are you, ju- are you just throwing shade? Because I was the one that wasn't that into it when she did it on the Sondheim 90th birthday, but I thought it was kind of perfect last night. No, it was fine. It was fine. Um, and, I just, and, I don't love, there's a certain type of person I love doing that song, and it's not always Patty, <laughs> gotcha. if I'm being honest. Um, I, I guess I would have said that before, but last night I was really into it, and I also felt that way about Not While I'm Around which I thought she did really great. And she even had uh, a little bit of that Les Mouches thrills to the end with that great last belt note. Yes. And I, yeah, I like that song. I like her doing it. But the next song being alive, again, something happened, something chemically, mystically, and the stars just align when she sings that song. And I thought she nailed it. And I was blown away. Yet again. Yeah, me too. You know, I always complain. I only want that one being alive that magically happened in 1992 and it'll never be the same again. But mm-hmm. I would like to give my full support to yes. Patty's performance last night. I thought it was thrilling. Yeah, it was great. I mean, there are certain songs, uh, you know, I mean, listen, I think, you know, gender schmender, whatever. If, if a girl wants to sing a guy song, a character, a guy character song or vice versa, that's great. But there are certain songs that I prefer. You know, I don't like when, when uh, women sing like old man river. And usually I don't like when women sing being alive, but Patty, you know, her voice isn't your typical female instrument. So when she sings being alive, I, you know, hers is the one I prefer over anyone truly, but Same. So, um, yeah, she killed, killed that. Um, then she and, gives, and by the way, just really in such amazing voice. I mean, I was such amazing voice. I was thinking about how familiar I am with like the nooks and crannies of her voice, you know? <laughs> and, uh, it, she, she just, it's like, the years fall away sometimes, you know, uh, with her very often. And when she gets to the end of being alive, you know, and I got to say, you know, ever since we did the podcast on um, the Cameron McIntosh tribute, um, Hey, Mr. Producer, where, mm-hmm. I, where I really enjoyed Bernadette's being alive, which I'd never been a fan of before. So I've been really taking the journey with Bernadette's being alive lately and really liking it. But I kind of can't forgive her not going for that high note near the end. You know, the, the yeah. you know, whatever. And when Patty gets there, you know, Patty's at the top of her belt there, too. And Patty's really belting full throttle. And 
And there's something, there's some placement Patty just goes to where she just reaches for the stars and grabs it there and it's magic. Totally, totally. And it just keeps soaring on to that final, final note. Yes, and, it does. Um, yes, it does. A lot. I mean, I can hear it now and it gives me chills. Um, and how, she does- how hilarious was the in- the intro to the, the finale when she, I, I, I think I've maybe heard this before, but Broadway has been mean to me and I've been, oh my God. I've been mean right back. Just I about love that. Sorry. I should have let you. No, no, I wrote it down. I was like, wow, wow. I don't think I've ever heard her say that. And I, I mean, I, did someone write that for her? Yes. Or did she come up with it? Modern family uh, genius television comedy writer and executive producer, Jeffrey Richmond, who writes all her one woman shows, wrote that. Brilliant. Love it. Yeah. Um, give my regards to Broadway. Um, and then an interesting encore thrilling, choice. Thrilling. Uh, Life is just a chair, chair of bowlies, bowl yeah. of cherries. Um, and then uh, she just, I love how she ends it. She's just in such good spirits. Um, takes a bow with Joe, walks off the stage. Uh, yeah, I mean, again, it's it starts out, we're not really sure what's happening. There's no audience. But then by the end of it, it feels like hanging out with the Patty of the basement tapes, you know? Totally. It's, it's that energy, that playfulness. Um, and yet full performance mode. Not, and yet full performance not mode. Not some little BS like calling into the Andy Cohen show and like giving him a little, you know, um, this, I mean, that, by the way, that's where she's saying life is just a bowl of cherries. It was when she, um, right. mm-hmm. when she was on Andy's um, Watch What Happens Live. Uh, I believe he requested it. Um, and uh, I thought, you know, she just, she she did it, uh, boots mama the house down. Um I, I, and give my regards to Broadway. I mean, who else but Patty can sing that song with the full Al Jolson, you know, or whatever, George M. Cohan, uh, you know, power and passion. Yes, exactly. Um, so all in all, I mean, it's such a special night. Like you said, we've been so just oversaturated with these these streams. And this was one that I think people really came out for. And I mean, I even saw people we know. Uh, I saw a friend of the pod, Cola Scola, in the comments. Mm. Um, uh, during some people, he uh, did the uh, the the Papa part. You ain't getting 88 cents for me, Rose. <laughs> oh, my God. I love that. That reminds me of one of my favorite things Cole ever did was uh, we were karaokeing and maybe you were there and I was singing Rose's turn and uh, oh yes when I got to the um, you like it Cole calls out no <laughs> <laughs> he's always good for a, a gypsy uh, song fill in um, totally. Well, uh, and by the way, Patty mentioned that she was tired of singing for free in her basement, but she didn't uh, get paid last night either. It was a benefit for this terrific uh, series that is benefiting uh, all these dark nonprofit theaters around the country. Uh, and it was launched by Dallas Summer Musicals, but it includes some of the best nonprofit theaters. I think 30 different organizations. And this was Fabulous. the first in the series. It's called Live from the West Side, The Women of Broadway. Way. And then coming up November 14th is Laura Benanti and December 5th is Vanessa Williams. And everybody should be sure to tune in for those too. Absolutely. I also need to uh, take a listen to uh, Laura Benanti's new album. Yes. I have not done that yet. I don't think the album is out yet, is it? Uh, I think I heard someone say they were listening to it. I think on, I she, on Instagram. I mean, I know she released that bonus, the advance preview. She did the Rufus Wainwright track. But, oh, maybe it's just a track. But maybe I'm wrong. Maybe the whole thing's out. We should do it, and we should we should have her back on the live stream to to tell us about it. Oh, that'd be fun. I enjoy her so much. And uh, anyway, everyone should tune in for Laura Benanti and Vanessa Williams, and they should listen to our Laura Benanti interview on Broken Records. That's right. And um, they should watch us uh, Tuesday morning, uh, Tuesday, well, Tuesday afternoons at noon Eastern time, uh, or they can catch the episodes after the fact on Broadway World's Facebook channel uh, page or Broadway Podcast Network's YouTube channel of next year, some year. That's right. Uh, Last week, we talked all about Angela Lansbury on her 95th birthday. And I already have a really, really special... um, video bookmarked for our who do you think you are segment so should should we make it a theme 
we could. No. I don't, this video, I don't know how this would fit into the theme, but uh, all right, it's not. The who theme. knows? Who knows? <laughs> we'll 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 figure it out. I, I assume Tuesday morning. So yes, yes, yes. Well, thank you everyone for listening, and um, yeah, we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you Tuesday or next time on the pod. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Ben Rimmelauer's Broken Records on Broadway World. For more episodes, visit Broadway World, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever podcasts do be. (laughs) This episode was edited by me, Daniel Nolan. Thanks to Emmy-winning composer and lyricist Lance Horn for the Broken Records theme song. Follow us both, Ben Rimmelauer and Daniel Nolan, on all y'all's socials. That's Ben Rimmelauer. B-E-N-R-I-M-A-L-O-W-E-R. And that's Nolan with an E, not Nolan with an A. Nolan with an A, isn't it? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.